0: Tonight is our last message in the book of Acts for the year. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And and again, how God's Spirit puts everything together. The very last song that we sang really talks about the simplicity that we should have in our worship. And this whole passage is reminding us that the early church, this fledgling church that was born after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem, really could be defined by an uncomplicated simplicity. I want you to remember that, because that's something that even Paul talks to the Corinthians about when he says in his second letter to the Corinthians, I fear for you that you are going to be led astray from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. And I think over the years and down through the decades and centuries that man has messed church up (laughs) from what God intended it to be. I think we make church much more complicated then it should be and that it has to be. And when you go back to especially this passage of Scripture from the book of Acts, I think what you and I are confronted with is a real uncomplicated simplicity to the community of believers that we call the early church. And we're going to see what distinctive marks... Make up this community of believers, because remember last week we looked at the majority of chapter two and we saw five convictions of Holy Spirit ministry. If the Holy Spirit is is in control and and influencing these groups, this group of people, here are some things that will be evident in that group of people. Well, now we come to the very end of this chapter, where Luke is basically telling us. This is what life in the early church was like. And these are the things that if we as believers allow the Holy Spirit to to influence us on, these will be the same things that you and I will be focused on even today. And so I want us to think about that today as we move through this passage of Scripture. That these aren't things that that are just, you know, for for a ch- the church 2,000 years ago. These are things that we can apply to our own life and to the life of the Oasis Church even today. And so they're a good sort of, you know, standard, if you will, for us to look to. So what I want to do tonight is just read these verses, and then I want to go back and just let's look at some of the distinctive marks of these believers In Jesus Christ. Notice it says that verse 42 of chapter 2 of Acts, they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Reverent awe came over everyone, and many wonders and miraculous signs came about by the apostles. All who believed were together and held everything in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and distributing the proceeds to everyone as anyone had need. Every day, they continued to gather together by common consent in the temple courts, breaking bread from house to house, sharing their food with glad and humble hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number every day those who were being saved. What are the distinctive marks of these believers after the Holy Spirit has been poured out on them? Where is he taking them? What what are his priorities that he is bringing about in the early church? What is he empowering them or enabling them to do? Well, the first thing I want us to focus on tonight is the word devoting. This is a key word, first of all, the word devoting. And we're going to see here in verse 42 that they were devoting themselves to four areas. But I want us to really focus on the idea of devoting. I want to give you several nuances, if you will, several definitions of what this word devotion means. In other words, the Holy Spirit will enable us or empower us to be a devoted people. God is looking for devotion. What is that from God's perspective? First of all, it means to maintain a strength which prevails and endures. Maintaining a strength or manifesting a strength, an inner strength that prevails and endures. It also could be defined as staying in a fixed direction. Let me repeat that. Staying in a fixed direction. We could also use the word sticktuitiveness. In a sense a supernatural sticktuitiveness if you will. And then finally we could define it this way To continue to do something with intense effort, despite the challenges. To continue to do something with intense effort, despite the challenges. That's what it means to be devoted. I believe that all of us are devoted to someone or something. And God wants us to be devoted, obviously, to Him, and to his priorities. And here and again, this fledgling group of, of believers that started out the church, they were, they were manifesting a devotion to four things. And again, what that tells us too, by using the word devotion in connection with these things, is they don't come easy. These are things you have to sort of fight for, if you will there's going to be obstacles and challenges to maintaining a devotion to all of these things. And I really believe it's one of the reasons why the church today many times does not resemble the early church. Because when you look around, there's not a lot of devotion. There's not a lot of, I'm staying in a fixed direction and we're going to continue to do that. No, what you find a lot of times is an initial buy-in You know, people get excited about something short term, but over the long haul, it's not sustained. That it's very hard to get people today, even Christians, to stay fired up and enthusiastic about a fixed direction over the long haul. And I believe that the reason for that is because we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to empower us and enable us and provide His supernatural influence in our life because that's the reason why these people could stay devoted. It was because the Holy Spirit had been given to them and they were allowing Him to influence them. Now, these four areas, first of all, was teaching. They were devoted to to being taught. But let me say this too, as a person who teaches the Scriptures, it also means that there had to be those in the early church that stepped up and were willing to accept the role of being a teacher of the Scriptures. We need teachers who will teach the Scriptures. And, just like in the early church, we need people who are teachable who are willing to stay in a fixed direction over a long period of time and be taught, be learners, if you will. What we talk about when we talk about disciples, the word disciple simply means a learner. And someone who's willing to learn and keep learning and keep learning and keep growing and never stop learning and never stop growing. In fact, one of my mentors told me once long time ago that as a prospective teacher of the Word, when I stop learning one day, I will stop teaching the next. Hmm. A teacher has to always be a continual learner, and that's true for all of us. We need to be devoted to the teaching of the Scriptures. We need to have teachers who are devoted to the teaching of the Scriptures, and we need to have a group of people who are devoted to hearing the teaching of the Scriptures. I thank you because it would be pretty hard for me to get up here all by myself on Wednesday night with nobody to teach, or on Sunday. So I thank God that there are still people who are devoted to hearing the Word of God. But notice they were also devoted to fellowship. And folks, again, this is so misunderstood in the modern church today. This does not mean we all sit down and eat together. Well, we're getting to that. That's in here, but that's not what fellowship is. Fellowship is, first of all, participation, not being a spectator. In other words, you and I can't say we're in fellowship with other believers if we're not participating. If we're sitting back and just spectating, and we're not involved or engaged in ministry in the church, then that's not fellowship. And the other part of that is it's not just participation, it's partnership. It means entering into partnerships with other believers and and accomplishing things together as you work together. That's really what fellowship is, you see. It's so important. But here's the thing to be devoted to that over the long haul with someone or a group of people because there's going to be challenges and obstacles to maintaining fellowship because again, like anything we all have, you know limited time and limited opportunities and all these things and it's about you know, making time and making it a priority to come together and participate with one another and partner with one another that's biblical fellowship. Next is the breaking of bread. And I really do believe that this talks about sharing meals together. In fact, he mentions this again down in verse 46 when he says, notice, they shared their food with gladness and humble hearts, breaking bread from house to house. Now there are some that take this phrase as talking about Uh, observing the Lord's table or having communion together. I personally don't take that from this. I think what it's simply saying is, again, they were devoted to doing what? To doing life together. They were willing to open up their homes to one another and have meals together and share their food with each other. And why? Why is that important? Because it talks about an intense sort of Concern and sharing an an intense interest in one another by wanting to get together with each other. And again, being devoted to that. Devoted to that. And then finally, prayer. Because we all know that that's a battleground too. The enemy will do everything he can to keep us from praying. And notice, too, this is in the context of a community of believers, so this isn't just talking about personal prayer and individual prayer and private prayer, which is very important, too. This is talking about praying with each other and being devoted to praying with each other. So four areas here that that believers are to be devoted to, to stay in a fixed direction on and never cease. We are to be devoted believers to teaching fellowship breaking of bread and prayer. So the key there for me was though not so much the directions that it took but the fact that they were devoted. They maintained a strength which endured and prevailed. They continued to do something with intense despite the challenges. And again, that kind of devotion, that high level of devotion can only come about through the empowerment and enablement of the Holy Spirit of God. You and I as human beings will never be able to sustain that kind of devotion apart from His enablement to the things of God. Then, a second mark, verse 43. Reverential all came over everyone. Let me talk a little bit about that word, all. Because I think, again, sometimes in our modern church, we have lost our awe of God. That's one of the things that our worship of God should do, and it's one of the things that our time in the Word with God should do, is create in us a sense of all. Wow, God. You're amazing. Just like I said, God, as I was studying, just reminded me that Jesus Christ, yes, he's God, but he's also 100% human. And because he's that, that that is the dust of the earth, and that the dust of the earth inhabits the throne of God. It's like, wow. I'm in all of that, God. That's why, again, we need to be devoted to teaching and to fellowship and breaking of bread and to prayer because it will create in us a sense of awe for God. And our worship should be born out of our awe of God. How great thou art. It means to have a growing reverence and respect for God. A growing reverence and respect for God. Sometimes I think that we've gotten too comfortable and cozy with God, that that, that there's not not a proper respect and reverence anymore, even in the church, for God. Again, not that He's not approachable, not that He's not our friend and all of that, but He's God. (laughs) And there should be a reverence and respect for who He is. And that kind of awe, that kind of reverence, that kind of respect, again, is it's born out of the influence of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is there, because notice it says reverential awe came over everyone. How did it come over them? Through the influence of the Holy Spirit. And then third many wonders and miraculous signs came about by the apostles. Supernatural and extraordinary events beyond what any man or woman could accomplish apart from God was evident in the early church. Do you believe in miracles? (laughs) Do you believe that our God can still do supernatural, extraordinary things in and through His people? They did. And it happened. I think that's one of the things that God wants to open us up to at the Oasis is that God wants to do some supernatural, incredible, extraordinary things in and through our ministry, but we've got to believe that He can and will because He responds to faith. And it's very interesting to me that there's a correlation between those who believe in miracles and the supernatural and extraordinary and the ones that experience it. Because those that don't believe in it don't seem to ever be a part of it. I've seen God do miracles. I've seen God do supernatural, extraordinary things. And I want to see Him do more and more. I've seen him heal. I've seen him transform lives. I've seen him bring about change and restoration and stuff that just, again, was exceedingly abundantly above all that I could have ever asked or thought. And even as a church, to sit here now... Getting ready to build our own facility and to think where God has brought us in seven and a half years and what God has done and how He has blessed us. It really is extraordinary. It's beyond what any of us could have ever done on our own to be in this position. That's a miracle. And I want you to believe that you are a walking miracle of God every day, a letter written by him, that he wants to write to the world and he wants you to believe that he can do supernatural, extraordinary things through you, that he can do beyond what you and I could ever accomplish. If we don't believe that, then we'll never have Davids anymore who go out and stand before a giant like Goliath and go, I'm just a shepherd boy and all I've got is a few small stones and a sling and there's the giant. He believed not in himself, but in a supernatural, extraordinary, incredible God. And God did amazing things by bringing the giant down. And that's what God wants to see in his people today. Then look at verse 44, another mark. All who believed were together, again, talking about corporate here, and held everything in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and distributing the proceeds to everyone as anyone had need. Now, some people over the years have said, well, the early church was communistic. No, this is not that. It's not saying that everybody in the church now had equal stuff. That's not what it's saying. If you study this and you read this, what it's saying is that the early believers lived their life with an open hand to share out of selfless concern and care for their fellow believers. That was another mark that the Holy Spirit was in control of these people. They held their own possessions loosely. In other words, when they heard that there was a need from another fellow believer and that they had the resources to meet that need... They were like, well, we've got this and they need that. Here you go. It wasn't that everybody was equal, absolutely equal, but it was simply that they lived with an open hand. Again, out of selfless care and concern for their fellow believers. Because it says there, as anyone had need. When they saw a need, boom. There it was. Somebody in the church goes, well, I can help out with that. And I love that because I've seen that spirit in our church over the years. And I... I want to even see that continue to grow. Because I think that's again an evidence that the Holy Spirit is in control of his people. When we when he blesses us with material and physical things, and yet we don't cling to them, we don't hold on to them selfless, selfishly, but we live selflessly and say, God, you've given me this. If 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 I can enjoy it, great. But somehow, if if, if some of these resources can be a benefit to others, then here you go. Here you go. And that was an evidence, a distinctive mark of the early church. By the way, let's remember that they weren't called Christians yet. In fact, they weren't called Christians until much later in the book of Acts. And when they were first called Christians, that was not a compliment. That was a derogatory term. And we we say, oh, that was a, no. That was not a compliment when it was first used. But what it was reminding us of is that through the influence of the Holy Spirit, there were distinctive marks that believers had in their lives as they related to each other, and it made them stick out like a sore thumb, as we say. And, and some people were repelled by it, but others, were going to see, were attracted to it, you see, and wanted to be part of that kind of group of people. And really what you see here is exactly what Jesus said, how they love one another. Remember what Jesus said? He said, by the kind of love that I have for you, if you will demonstrate that agape kind of love toward each other, that's when men will know that you are my disciples. And that's exactly what's happening here. They are showing great love for each other. They want to be together and do life together. They want to partner together. They want to participate with each other. They want to be taught and pray together, get into each other's homes and break bread together. And they want to share what God has given to those in need. That's love. Then verse 46. This may be the one that we lack the most in our modern busyness. Every day they continued together by continual or common consent in the temple courts. It wasn't a a once-a-week thing that they got together. It was every day they got together to encourage, to support, to pray together, to worship together, to sing together every day. We wonder sometimes why our soul and spirit is starving and why we struggle so because we're out there trying to do it on our own. And God says, I've given you your brothers and sisters in Christ. I've given you your fellow believers. And then we just sort of isolate ourselves and say, nope, I'm going to do this all on my own. Every day, they were getting together with each other. I mean, even if there's... Someone that you can reach out to in some way every day that's following the model of the early church. And then don't miss this. By common consent. That means that this group of people had the same passion and desire. That's important. Again, they weren't all going off on their own direction, like they all had their own agendas, and they all were going in different directions. No, the Bible says one of the reasons why the early church was so powerful and so influential is they all had the same passion and desires. Why? Because again, the church was a very uncomplicated simplistic model. It wasn't It didn't have all the stuff that our modern-day churches have today that complicate things and make it difficult, you see. Very simple. And then it goes on to say, as we've already talked about, they were breaking bread from house to house, sharing their food, and then the next one is, with glad and humble hearts, praising God. And the reason I flowed into that is again because i really believe that all this ties together a glad humble heart one that is thankful and grateful to god for all of his goodness and good gifts that he bestows and a humbleness to know i i didn't do this my on my own i did this because of again the grace and goodness of god in my life and therefore i'm going to praise him continually And that was part of the early church. The word praising here means to sing in honor of God. That's what they did. That's what we want to do here. We want to continue to expand our worship and continue to sing in honor of God. God loves to hear His people sing praises. He does. He loves it. And that's why really singing and getting our people to sing is really the most important part of worship. We ask the wrong question in the modern church today. Most people, when they go from church to church, goes, how's the music at that church? That's usually the slant we take. What's the music like at that church? The right question, or the more biblical question, is how's the singing at that church? Because when people are really into worshiping God, they will sing out. They will sing out. And that's what I love about our church. Our church is learning to sing. Nicole and I are noticing that. And it first started on a Wednesday night, but even like on Sundays now, we are hearing you all sing. And she was just telling me the other day, you know, they have to wear those earbuds up there so that they can hear the music and everyone's voices and stuff. She said, Jeff, they were singing so loud on Sunday I could hear them singing even though I had my earbuds in. That's good. Keep it up. Keep singing out. Because again, what are we singing out from? We are singing out from a glad and humble heart. God, I don't deserve all of your blessings, but God, you have blessed me. You've been so good to me. I'm so thankful and grateful. I can't wait to come and with my brothers and sisters in Christ, sing out in honor of you. Well, these kind of distinctive marks had two results that I want to end with tonight. Again, not everybody had this response, but many did. Notice what it says the one result is. Because of these kind of marks, they had goodwill of all the people. In other words, there were bridges that God was building between the early church and those that did not yet believe. They had an opportunity through God's grace to be an influence and to make a difference and to make an impact on their culture, on their society, on their friends, on their family. And God wants to do the same thing today. He wants to create in us such an environment that we will be able to build bridges with those that do not know our God and that God will use us to be a light and that we will have an opportunity through His grace to be able to make a difference and make an impact and be an influence in our society and in our culture. That's the first result. The second one is every day god added to their number those who were being saved now obviously this is talking here about people coming then to know the lord and being added to the community of believers and that's awesome that's evangelism that's that's all part of it but i want to zero in on this word added too for a minute Because this word has so much more to say to us than just the fact that God was adding new believers to the church through evangelism. Because if you study the word added, it means that God specifically places certain believers together to accomplish his purposes. So when you think about that, sort of reverse engineer here, using a a modern term to go back we can even apply that to how the church should be operating today. Again, unlike it is a lot of times today, people, Christians, they choose the church that they go to or belong to. That was their choice. Where what this teaches me is that should never be the case with a Christian. I shouldn't choose the church. That I'm a part of, the community of believers I'm a part of, I should let the Lord place me into a group of believers. Why? Because there's a reason why he wants me in that particular community of believers to accomplish his purposes. And he has reasons. Why? Because he understands better than we all can the different giftings and abilities and the purpose of that church and the structure of that church and how all this operates and why he wants certain people in certain churches to accomplish his purpose. And in a sense, we can take great encouragement and comfort and strength from that. It's like, God didn't, or I didn't put myself here. God put me here. And this is where I belong until God leads me away from here and says, now I want you to go somewhere else. It should never be our choice. Because God has specific purposes in mind and he has certain believers that he says, you're going to fit with this. So I've got to bring you all together to accomplish my purpose. And we've got to be able to see literally the hand of God working to bring all of us together to accomplish his purposes. That's why I don't take lightly those that feel led by the Lord to come here. Because that means, okay, God has you here and He has a reason why He wants you here as part of our body. And so we want to find out what that is and try to get you to incorporate it in and engaged in and find out why does God want you here? Maybe it's just for a while just to learn and be taught. That's fine. But there's going to come a point where God's going to then say, now... I have you here for this reason or that reason. And that's a result of the Holy Spirit taking over a community of believers. May we, as we meditate and contemplate this great passage of Scripture tonight, Be reminded of what a great honor and privilege it is to be part of the body of Christ. And not just in a general sense, but in a local sense, in a community of believers. Because one of the things that this passage reminds us of is that God wants us to do life together. And this also reminds us that God values people. And one of the things you're going to hear me say Sunday, but I'm going to say it tonight, is this. One of the most significant gifts that God gives to us here on earth is people. People. And remember when the Bible said in Ephesians 4, when Jesus ascended, he then gave gifts to men? And what's the gifts start listing? People. Positions, roles, responsibilities in his church. Pastors, teachers, on and on and on. See, you need to see yourself as a gift from God to his people. And you and I need to see each other as a gift from God to us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this great study surrounding Pentecost. And Lord, I pray that even 2,000 years later, God, that we can glean a lot of great things from what was happening as the Holy Spirit was being poured out on the early church. And God, that we realize that we can apply many of these same things to our own life and to the life of our own church today. God, you are still the same God. And you are still a God of miracles and supernatural, extraordinary things if we will simply believe. And God, I truly believe that you want to do greater and greater things through us. And so, God, I pray that we would be open to that and open to the the influence of your Holy Spirit as we move forward. Take us from here, God. Give us a great couple weeks around the holidays. Keep us all safe. Give us a strong Christmas this year as we center ourselves on Christ. And bring us back in that new year that we might start a new series on January 3rd, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So don't forget, the 20th and 27th, these next two Wednesdays, we're taking off. We will be back here on Wednesday, January the 3rd, starting our study of the book of Zechariah. Hope you'll come back and join us for that.